0: Yeah, been a busy week around here. Uh, Thank you all for serving. Those of you who are part of uh, the VBS shenanigans, that was great. Uh, I know some of you are here uh, because your kids came to VBS. We loved having your kids here at VBS. We'd love to have you here all the time. Uh, If you are here all the time, we'll have a third service. Uh, And we'll turn on the air conditioner earlier. Earlier, so uh, you know, not many air conditioners can handle uh, that many kids' uh, sweaty bodies and all that stuff. Um, Tonight is our uh, first summer table, Um, and I I just want to encourage you to come. Uh, We're going to be out on the patio, fellowship hall area out there, and we're going to have some pizza. There's no real great. program or anything like this we're just hanging out and especially for those of you who have just moved up in the last year or two and you feel like you're not connected that's a great time to come uh, and eat pizza nothing bonds hearts more than eating pizza together Um, and uh, so we'd love for you to come if if you could uh, there is a sign-up sheet out in the uh um lobby that you can sign and just tell how many are coming. That would be great. And if there's too many, we'll order more pizza. It'll be great. Uh, And so we'll hope to see you here tonight. Um, I look at these little ones that were up here, and the last couple weeks we've had middle schoolers gone away and high schoolers gone away to camp, and um, we just want to be a part of that. Uh, It's a blessing for us as a church uh, to have kids around, and I, I realize that they make a mess. I realize that, um, and they are a mess, and uh, they, uh, they ruin things just like their parents and their grandparents, And, um, and but I know this, that uh, this is the world that we live in, this is the world that we live in, and they may need a lot of things, and as parents and grandparents, we hope for a lot of different things, but they need Jesus, they need Jesus. And so uh, we wanna be a part of that, Uh, not just for one week in the summertime, but really from uh, day in and day out, week to week. We wanna encourage you as parents and grandparents uh, in your raising of the next generation. And so um, we're here for you, that's all I wanted to say. Uh, Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter six. I hope you all have tools. Do you have tools? You have tools. (laughs) I hope you have tools. Like, I like buying tools. How many of you have seen me at Home Depot ever (laughs) buying junk that I'm (laughs) trying to do something at home? No, really, I need another tool. Um, uh, I I have uh, one of the things that we have a lot of at our house is garden tools. And part of it is we just want to leave them throughout the property so you don't have to go uh, and grab them. And like I think about, we have like steel rakes, the garden rake type thing, the steel rake one. And, and what do you do with a rake? What do you do with a rake? You rake stuff, right? So you was this a trick question? Um, you rake stuff. And so wood chips or whatever, you do some raking and, you know, and that's what it's made for. It's made for pulling stuff and raking stuff. If you, if you just throw it on the ground, what does it do then? Yeah, it does that rake thing, right? You can st- step on it, and it comes right back and hits you in the face. Uh, so it can be used for different things, tool for used for different things. There are other tools, too. I hope you have some of these. Um, you know, I think about uh, other tools, not necessarily garden tools, but some of them. like Some of you have a weed whacker, right? That's a critical tool, <laughs> critical tool in the land of weeds, um, you know, and it's kind of violent too, right? It feels good, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bring violence to the weeds of Tehachapi. Uh, weed whackers. Did you know computers are tools too, right? Computers, right? Uh, some of you, you, most of us have some type of computer, even if it's just your phone. Um, and uh, computer, it's a tool, it's a tool to be used for different things. Uh, some of you have guns. Some of you feel very uncomfortable with me saying that. And others are like, yeah, come on, preach, preach. Is he going to talk about guns? Yeah. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. (laughs) Second Amendment, yeah. Uh, You know, I'll tell you, um, uh, I'll just say this. Uh, The Second Amendment doesn't matter a whole lot. But guns are pretty important if you need to use them, right? They're a tool, right? They're a tool. Uh, And they can be used in various different ways, some for good things, some for bad things, okay? Uh, And if bad things are going to come, I'd want to have one of those tools. Um, Anyways, uh, computers, weed whackers, guns, houses. Houses are tools, right? Your house, the house that you live in, it's it's something that you can use. It's a use for protection against the wind and the weather, but also like... Uh, Your house can be a place of uh, terrible things to go on, right? Your house. Uh, Also, your cars, your cars. So you think about uh, how great your cars are. They're a tool for something. But as they are just sitting in your driveway or doing anything, they're not doing anything because they're just a tool. But once you get in there and you turn them on, they can be used for something, but they can also be very dangerous. Um, And then I think of, there's a lot of other things, but I think of, do any of you have any money? Some of you are going, less than I had last week, you know. Just went and filled up. Uh, But, um, you know, uh, I'm sorry. I just, it's been a rough week, Vacation Bible School. I've lost some of my filter. Um, But uh, you you think of money, you can use that for good things, and you can use that for bad things. It's just a tool. It's not anything in and of itself. Um, today we're going to look at uh, ways to live, ways to live, and and really speaking of uh, this body and this life as a tool, and what are you going to use this body, this life that God has given you? What are you going to use it for? There are really two different ways you can use your body and life, and we're going to see those two different ways, but also reflect, see how they reflect uh, whether we've been changed or whether we have not been changed by the gospel. There's two different ways to live, and so that's what we're going to be looking at today. Romans chapter 6, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you, uh, starting in verse 11, and I want to read down through verse 14. God's word says this, uh, so, you, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive uh, to God in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make uh, you obey its passions. Uh, do not present your members uh, to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of, for righteousness. For sin will not, uh, will not dominion over you, since you are not under the law but under grace. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, this time that we could spend together. I pray that this would be effective uh, in us and the way we live, that we would walk in the newness of life that you've given us in Christ Jesus. God, thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. You've been here in our last weeks, we've been looking at the book of Romans, we've seen uh, in the previous teaching uh, that uh, our life apart from Jesus and in who we are, the, the thing it's just a bad deal because we're sinners, we're sinners from birth and we display that in many ways uh, and the problem is that uh, God has a standard, his law, and, and when you think of the law, like uh, I know many of us know the Ten Commandments, we know what they say, uh, but when we look deeper at them, we realize at our heart, uh, maybe we don't uh, murder someone outwardly, but in our hearts we do. We may not commit adultery, but in our hearts maybe we do, and this, this idea of being perfect uh, is not possible, apart from Jesus. It's, it's, it's not, we can't do it. And that's what the first part of the book of Romans teaches us over and over again. Um, we're called to perfection, but then we are not perfect. And that's a problem, isn't it? And so now as uh, he's been going over, Paul, as he's been sharing this over and over in the book of Romans, he's sharing with this uh, group of people who lived in Rome, who knew that everything in the world was available to them in Rome, and still it wasn't good enough. And so they were giving them, uh, Paul was giving them a new way that was found in Jesus and said, this is the new way for you. Uh, As we look at the first 10 verses that we looked in the chapter 6, it was going about this idea that says, well, if God is gracious and he'll forgive sin and that brings him glory, maybe I should just sin a lot and just keep on sinning and so God can receive more glory. And uh, Paul slams his hand down and says, no, no, that is not uh, the way to live. It's a different way. And yet uh, the frustration of knowing how to live um, in, as a, a sinner that's been set free in a sinful world, in a fleshly body that's imperfect. How do we do this? And today is an exciting day because we get to look at how do we live? How do we new, now walk in this newness of life? Verse 11 uh, kind of intros this thought or uh, summarizes the previous 10 verses. He says, in the same way, uh, in the same way, verse 11, uh, this also, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This idea of considering and thinking through, and I talked to you last week about you need to think differently about your life. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you, re- you need to realize The old life is gone, and we're doing something totally different. And it might be a little clumsy at first. It might be a little clumsy. It might feel like learning to walk again in a totally different way. Uh, You you realize, um, you know, when you see uh, little babies and they come to that phase and they're growing to crawl, and they're, why are they so clumsy? Why do they fall down? Well, it's because they. Uh, I've never done this before. I, I was talking to one younger sibling who's now an adult, and um, there's stories. He was part of a large family, and I think he was uh, younger, but I, I think he's the youngest. And he said that as is told of him, that his older siblings, when he would stand up and start walking, they would knock him down, knock the feet out <laughs> from under him. And they thought it was super funny. And it probably was. probably was. You know, I was a sibling too, and stuff like that's funny. I was a younger sibling, but I think that's funny, but it's not funny because, you know, anyways, uh, but, it, but it's hard to walk. It's hard to learn to walk because why? You've never done it before, and, and I think some of us think, oh, we're adults. We can figure this out. You know, I'm kind of um, really smarter than the rest, and, and I just want to say this, that it may feel clumsy walking this new life. Uh, But there's much to learn, but it is not just better, it is what God has saved you for, this new way to life, new way of life. Um, He says, "I, I want you to count yourselves or think of yourselves in this new way. You consider yourselves, what? Dead to sin, dead to sin and alive to God. Um. You may read that and you go, I got it. Dead to sin, alive to God. How do we do that? What's that look like? Um, I, I, I want to remind you, it's that thinking thing, right? You need to look at the areas of your life, the steps you take, the the way you act, and say, I need to look through all the areas of my life and say, what's the newness of life? What, is it, what does Jesus want? How, how is it? How is this different from the old life that I lived? Um, by the way, you, you need to let go of that other life, right? Um, some of us cling to that and say, oh, but I'm, I'm so comfortable there. I love that old life. Well, if you love that old life, uh, it was stuck in the deadness of sin, then you really didn't understand the gospel. Because the gospel was like, I don't want that anymore. I, I found a new way, and that new way is Jesus. Dead to sin, alive to God. Um, and I want, I want to say this and I'll probably say it again, but what Paul is talking about here is this. So so some of us, we go, uh, dead to sin, alive to God. That's the truth. And so if I'm dead to sin, I'll never sin again. I'll never sin again. And if I ever sin again, it must mean that I'm not a Christian. I want to tell you, Paul wouldn't be talking about this if that were true. He wouldn't. He he would just, you know, it it wouldn't need to be acknowledged. But he, he says you need to think this way, dead to sin, alive to God. Why? He's going to talk in the next couple of chapters about what it is to be in the flesh while being in Christ, in Christ. Walking in the flesh, being fleshly still, but walking uh, in Christ. And th- this is kind of the uh, important picture that he uh, gives us about what it is to know Jesus. There was this group of books that I didn't read, but I saw the title um, from the 80s, and they were health books. And they, they, maybe you remember seeing them. It says, eat this, not that. Eat this, not that. And it was a great idea. It's the idea of looking at the things that you should eat while replacing the things you shouldn't eat. And I want to tell you that this passage kind of lines itself out that way. It's looking at that which is the healthy stuff for the Christian, the new life, instead of the unhealthy. It's part of the change that now reflects what this new life is, these new values. Um, this new uh, life that he has given us. And I wanna say it, it's much more dramatic than a health book, just switching out foods. It's much more dramatic than that uh, because it's the old dead life to the new life that is in Christ. And so we remember verse four, we looked at it a couple weeks ago. He says, he talks about this and he says, so we too might walk in the newness of life. And I want to tell you that this should be our desire every day is that I want to walk in the newness of life. I don't want to walk in the old dead life that is lost in sin. Uh, I want to tell you, you should hate that old life of sin. You you should remember what it has done to you. You should remember what a terrible master it was. I think about uh, people that I have known. Some of them who have been alcoholics and how they, uh, they, they roll into a situation and they, they see something, and it's like, there's the bad thing right there. Um, there's the bad aisle. There's the, you know, and it, it's good. Why? Because that represents to them what was the old life. And as for us as uh, people who have been saved, we can look back on that old life and we say, that was the thing that enslaved me, that was the thing that had me but God has saved me from that. So we look in verse 12, and it's the not that part, right? It's part of the not that that uh, he wants us to get rid of. Verse 12 says this, therefore, uh, let let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Um, when, when you see that word therefore, some of had the little phrase, what's the therefore, therefore? Um, And what it is, it's to point us back. It's a connector to what has already been said. What has already been said? I I read it to you in verse 11, which was kind of a summary. Uh, It's the idea that uh, sin, dead to sin, that was the old life, alive to God. Because of that, what should you do? How should you live? What is the thing that you shouldn't do? This is a negative Do not let sin reign. Do not let sin reign. I want to say this too. This is just an idea. Um, When you read in the Bible a command of God, any command where he says, you need to do this. Sometimes we read that and and, uh, we respond differently to commands, right? When a teacher says, you have to do this, what do you think in your mind? Depends who you are, right? So, you're rebellious to the core. And when somebody tells you to do something, you say, Well, I'm not doing that for certain, you know. They're not the boss of me, right? Uh, one little girl in school of my boys, she would always say when somebody told her to do something, You're not my mama. Um, we have this attitude of saying, well, if somebody says that I'm going to do it, I'm not going to do it. Or others of you are real compliant, and you're like, "Oh, I got to do it," and so you like, you know, you're frantic to obey. You're frantic to obey everything, even sometimes ridiculous things like the government. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> in times, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Filter. I'm lost my filter. Remember. Um, but, but this idea of obedience, so, but, but know this, as a Christian, sometimes as you read the scriptures and you see that God calls you to obey, you go, I can't do it. It's not that I don't want to obey him. It's just that I'm too weak to obey him. And as you read the scriptures, sometimes you go, I'm just weak. I'm in the flesh. And I, that's true. But know this, that God would not have called you to do anything do anything that he has not given you the power and through his holy spirit and through the connection of the body of Christ that you would be able to obey he's not a ridiculous master who gives you things that you cannot do and then calls you to do them just to frustrate you so when you see the commands of god the instruction i know this that the transformation that god has given you his holy spirit that's in you the power of the community of the church You can do it. So as you look at this, you go, yeah, I can do this uh, because he's called me to do it and he'll give me the strength to do it. I think that's a big deal. What does he call us to do in this passage? He says, uh, "Don't." it's a negative. Do not let sin reign. Do not let sin reign. And as you go back, you can look back to the previous passage, uh, previous chapter. You see in verse 21, it it talks about how... um, This idea of that sin and death did reign. Your sin, your sin, don't worry about the sin of the world. Don't worry about original sin. Your sin has brought you into a death position, a spiritually dead position that you were stuck there and it reigned. Sin and death reigned in you. I want to tell you that um, you were enslaved. You were enslaved. It reigned in you. Sin and death were supreme in charge. I I remember saying this as a youth pastor, and I think it's an appropriate picture, that it it was as if your sins rang a bell and you came running. And you said, I don't want to serve you anymore. You're stuck. Sorry. You're a slave. You're a slave to sin. You're stuck in that. And he says, do not let uh, sin be your slave anymore. Uh, don't don't don't. Uh, not that you'd be the slave to sin, but don't let it reign in you anymore. And like I said, to comes verses chapter seven and eight are going to talk about in the flesh, but in Christ, it uses this idea of the mortal body, and and he could have just said body, but he wants to underline the mortal body. The the idea of the mortal body is the temporary body. This is not the body that I will have for eternity this is an expiration date we don't know what that is right there you can't flip up the bottom of your foot and it says there's a little stamp on there expi- will expire um, uh, that'd be nice to know right <laughs> how many days we have left and uh, what we could do with those but it's a mortal body it's a temporary body and and when you have something that's temporary uh, it should not be in a position to make decisions right the temporary body should not make decisions for us and our soul. You, you get this picture now, right? Uh, one writer said it like this. He says, sin's pleasures takes place in the body, uh, which is at best mortal and will soon pass away. Whereas Paul has been speaking of the life in Christ that brings eternal joy. It is stupid to allow that which will die to have a supreme position over us think about that you think about the the desires of the body whether they be for greed or some kind of sexual pleasure or some kind of uh, desire of our mouth to speak ill will and uh, jealousy and gossip. And and you say, uh, I I just feel the urge to do this. I want to do this. It seems like it would be fun. And I want to say to you, are you going to let your mortal body take the position of the supreme power over you? I want to tell you, that's what God saved you from. He has given you freedom from that. And so he calls us not to allow our mortal body to have that supreme position. So much so that he says, so that you would obey its, what is our its, the mortal body, its evil desires. A sinful man, a a fleshly man, our body will cry out for things that are wicked in the eyes of God. And he says, your body should not be your master. And he's really calling up and he says, Don't don't behave as a slave. Don't behave as a slave anymore anymore. If sin controls your body, then death reigns in you. If death reigns in you, then you must obey because you're the slave of sin and death. But if you're in Christ, it is not. You are free. You're free. The second thing, the not that, the thing that we're not supposed to do is in verse 13. Verse 13, and it says this, do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments of, for righteousness. I went too far, but here we go. Listen to this. Verse 13, not that. Do not offer uh, your bodies, or your members, or your parts. You, you think about that, and um, I thought of that song that I, I grew up singing, Oh Be Careful Little Eyes What You See. And you know that one? That's a good one. That's a theologically accurate song that everyone needs to know, all right? In your 80s, you should still be singing that. 90s too. Um, Oh, be careful. And it it talks about the different things, your eyes and your mouth and where you say, and your feet, where you go. And and, and the picture there is this. It's the parts of your mortal body. uh, Don't offer any of them. Don't give any of them uh, to sin. Not not one part of them. It's got this idea of this sacrificial language to offer yourself is to, to go and to worship and it's to bring your offering and he says don't bring any part, of uh, any member of yourself don't bring any uh, part of who you are don't offer it to sin not your mouth, not your mind, not your hand not your appetites, not, not your your uh, You know, any part of who you are, as you think about what your body can do, and I would say it this way, the body is a tool, what are you going to use it for? He says, don't offer, don't do that, it's not that, what is it? Do not offer yourself to sin, the sacrificial language, and it asks this question, it brings up this question, what is your body for? What are the days of your life? What are they to be used for? It, it gives this idea when he says members, it's, it's, he's, he's saying, don't use your right hand. Don't use your right hand for sin. But don't use your left hand either. But don't use your right ear or your foot. or your, like Don't use your mind. Don't, and, and he's kind of going through and he says, don't use, because some of us think like this. It's only my left foot, right? I'm, I'm thinking about God, but I'm also kicking, you know. So it's this idea that somewhere there's a separation and he's going through all the parts of your life and your body and who you are. He says, don't use any of them. Don't offer any of them uh, to sin. Not not one part. Why? Well, in verse 13, look, look down at it again. Um, he says, do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. You, you think about that, and he says, instruments, what's an instrument? It's a tool, right? It's a tool. And he says, don't, don't grab that tool that God has given you. Don't take the, the really person, the, the thing that he has allowed us, this temporary peace that we have. He says, don't, don't take that and go use it for unrighteousness or wickedness don't do it. You think about how if you've studied the book of Romans, the first part says over and over again how we're unrighteous. We're not followers of God. And he says, that's where I saved you from. And he says, now don't offer your body now again, any part of your body, as a tool of unrighteousness. That, you know, you think about all those DIY uh, videos that they have on YouTube and various other places. They're trying to sell you something. Most of the time a tool. And they show, show you this tool and it says, this is what, and this is what I did with this tool. You know, and look at how great it is. And this is what you can picture in your mind. Your body, your body that was made for Jesus. I, I want to say it even this. It was redeemed by Jesus. It was stuck and enslaved and it's been set free and now it's uh, got a purpose. And he says, what is the purpose of this? And he says, look what I made. And what is it? It's unrighteousness. Doesn't make sense, right? That's the very picture of the life that I once had. And so he says, don't take, don't offer, don't give. Your body, which was once enslaved, don't give it now again to offer it to to sin, but rather um, he's gonna say something else. He says, it's not that, it's not that. So the, the next two are this. This is what we are to do. In the middle of verse 13, it says, but rather. Um, it, it's, 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 but it's giving you the other side. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought uh, from death to life. I, I love this because it says, uh, it gives the other thing. He says, Sometimes I want you to know this too in the scriptures, especially in Paul as he thinks of things. If if God uh is drawing you away from a life, He's pointing you to a life, right? Uh He's not just saying, you know, even as the those health books said, uh don't eat this, eat that. Right? Sometimes you some of us have grown up and it says uh that God's just saying, don't, 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 don't. I want to tell you, if he's telling you not to do something, he's also telling you to do something. He's, he, he's filling your life with something that he has not just required, but he has designed you for, okay? And he does that in this passage. He says, but rather, uh, offer yourselves to God. Give yourselves, present yourselves to God. What do you think that is? Same language, right? It's that same worship language. He says, don't offer who you are, your mortal body, the thing that you are, uh, don't offer that to sin, offer it to God, offer it to God. As you think through the person that you are and the things that you have, the time that you have, the life that you have, and you say, what I have, I offer it to God. As you think about offering it to God, uh, it's an interesting, subtle thing. Maybe, Maybe you missed it. But in the previous one where he says, don't, 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 he says, don't even use one part of you for sin. Don't even use one part of you, any part, not your right hand, not your left hand. And now he moves to all of you, right? Your members, the totality of who you are. But rather, offer yourselves to God. Why? Why should we be thinking of our life now as those who have been presented or offering to God? Why? Because we've been brought from death to life. Because he's done it all for us, right? You think of uh, how special it is and how gracious and kind and sacrificial that God has been for you, that he sent his son to die on your behalf, that you might be set free. It's compelling, right? It's realizing the new position that we have with God is one of indebtedness, but not indebtedness that we would want to pay him back, but to say he will always be the most important, the most special to me because of what he has done. So this is the way I'm gonna live. Well, uh, you think about this. He says, brought from death to life. Because we are alive, we offer ourselves to God. Because we are alive. Resurrected people, how do they live? How do resurrected people live? They now live for God, the God who saved them. Hallelujah, right? This is good stuff. We wake up in the morning and we say, oh, I'm stuck in sin. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. That was the old life. That was days gone by. I live for God because he has given me life. This is how resurrected people live. He goes on and he he says one more thing. Um, He says uh, another this way to live he, he says uh, in the middle of verse 13, and your members to God as instruments of, for righteousness. And your members, right? Once again, he's taking the totality and he's saying, use your right hand and your left hand, and your right eye and your left eye and your ears, and, and the things inside between your ears, and the rest that's below your ears, and, and all of who you are. He says, use those members, how? The the members who are part, how do you do this? You offer yourselves, uh, offer every part of yourself to him as what? An instrument of righteousness, a tool of righteousness. And the question that we should come up with is this. What am I using my right hand for? What am I using my left hand for? What am I using this day for? How is this being an instrument of righteousness? And and I want to tell you, there's this weird picture thing that goes on. and It's how God works is he changes people's lives so that he then uses them as this picture of grace for others. For those of you who grew up in Tehachapi, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. Because there's people who know the stories, right? They remember you. They remember you. I just, uh, last week, I went to Santa Barbara, and um, that's where I grew up, but but I haven't spent a whole lot of time there as an adult, and I kind of do this when I'm walking the streets of Santa Barbara. I'm like, oh, no, and it's kind of a funny thing because I really haven't spent much time there since I was 20, and so the people that I know are probably... They're probably 50 or at least, right? And I haven't seen them in 30 years. And so I'm always nervous that I'm not going to recognize somebody and they're going to recognize me first. And, and I'm going to go, oh, no, they remember me in high school and middle school. like Oh, no. Um, and they're probably thinking the same thing. But um, this picture is this, that for us who are God's people, he has changed us so now that we become the billboard And and what happens is as we offer ourselves, as we follow him, what happens is we become a tool, a tool of what? Not wickedness like we used to, but of righteousness, righteousness. Not that we are righteous in and of ourselves, but he works his righteousness through us because we are in Christ. And so the picture is this, uh, as this tool is used properly, we say, look at what he has done look at what he has done and everyone goes wow you say it's not me it's God working in me the tool I'm just the tool that God has used okay and he says every part every part of me is now an instrument of righteousness and it's a contrast between what it used to be to what it is now and really the end outcome is can you believe it can you believe it that this sinful unrighteous dead lost in their sins now has been resurrection, resurrected and now God has used us for his righteous desires. Look down at verse 14. He concludes this and kind of summarizes this point once again and he says this, for sin will have no dominion over you or he will not sin will not reign or be your master. No longer that those days are over. Why? Uh, since you are not under the law, but under grace. Not under the law, but under grace. I want you to um, flip back to the end of chapter five, and I want to share this with you. I mentioned this earlier, verses 20 and 21. And I want you to contrast. If you just think of the law as the Ten Commandments, it's much greater than that. But like, I want you to know that the Ten Commandments were perfect, are perfect, but they, uh, when they're put next to sinful man, they don't show the perfection of man. They show the imperfections of man, okay? And if you look at this, this is the teaching of Scripture. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 20 says this. Now, the law came in to increase the trespass or the sins, uh, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You hear that and you realize that law is not the thing that gives us life. Law is not even the thing that is supposed to reign. This picture now is the grace of God is now to reign in us. And to be the, the law or the, uh, the holder, the one that we now walk in because of Jesus. It's God's grace, not our perfect record in keeping the law. And, and by the way, uh, none of us are perfect. And that's silly to say. Some of you are like, wow, I thought I was. And I said, you're not even close. It's a, you should laugh when I say, not eat, none of us are perfect. You should laugh. And you say, did you think I thought that? Like, that's, that's a ridiculous thing to say. We're perfect. But I want to reiterate that. Why? Because some of you think you are. And you don't think you are perfectly in every area, but you say, the area that I show you, the picture that I show you, the part of life, I am perfect. I am perfect. Um... It's kind of like that spelling test that had 10, 10 words, right? And, and you got 100%. Where do you put that? The refrigerator. But it, it doesn't say I cheated on there, does it? I cheated and I got 100%. Or I took it 10 times and finally got it perfect. Like Or I... I was mean to my mom on the way, like as I was frustrated, I was nervous. Like like it doesn't say the totality of one's life. It just says a little bit on that spelling test at that moment in time. It seems like I was perfect. I wanna tell you, we're not perfect, but that's not what we're talking about here. Paul says, don't worry about perfection because the grace of God is now where you live. The grace of God is now the life that we have. God's grace, not our perfect record of keeping the law, compels us, but it also keeps us, it keeps us in the present and the future doing what? Walking in the newness of life. Walking in the newness of life. We'll talk more about this in the weeks to come. God, thank you so much for this time in your word. I pray that it really uh, it our heart to think through this new life. I, I know that we struggle. I, I, I know I struggle and others here today and just what does this look like? How do we do it? How do we abandon the sin that was death to us and now walk in this newness of life? God, I pray that you'd encourage us now. I pray that we would not um, uh, get defeated by sin, but rather uh, know that with your help, you can help us abandon the sin and walk in the newness of life. God, thank you for each one here. Thank you for a great week at Vacation Bible School. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.